3: Following a recent visit from Chad and Cheese. Coincidence? I think not. You are listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast, Does Europe? I'm your co-host, Joel. The heat is on, Cheeseman.
4: This is Chad, youth of the nation, So Wash. And I'm leaving, just back from Scotland, so pleasantly unprepared. (laughs) Vanuwenhuisen.
3: And on this episode, the kids are not all right. There's a bullhorn in the china shop. And a little buy or sell everybody let's do this
4: europe has a bunch of countries in it
0: european talent intelligence what does it mean imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a european talent pool every year thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence with innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence.
2: Been a while, kids. It has. We've all been jumping and hopping around uh, around Europe. Uh, Cleveland, you just got back from Scotland. So are you wearing a kilt right now? What, what's going on?
4: No, no, I had to leave it at the border.
2: <laughs> yeah. Did they look under it first?
4: It's back to the lederhosen now.
3: Lederhosen. Yeah. 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 yeah I've been in Finland. levin has been in Scotland and Chad, of course, is uh, in his posh Portuguese mansion <laughs> that he visits from time <laughs> to time, but we're, we're all back where that
2: comes from. <laughs> for the
3: podcast after a couple weeks of hiatus. Although we did record. We did. Yes. Good to hear. Everybody's doing well and uh, everybody's fine as we head into the final stretches of summer. I guess we should do shout-outs. Shout-outs,
4: baby. No, I, I don't do shout-outs today. As I said, I'm pleasantly unprepared, and we all know. Now, see, that's some bullshit, because in the green
3: room, you were like, my shout-out is...
4: No, it's not. I said, I'm not going to do a shout-out, and you said, yeah, you can do a shout-out about Scotland. I said, no, I've been to Scotland. It's not a shout-out. <laughs> but then you had
3: this great line of, like, whiskey to Scotland to no internet oh, yeah. to something...
4: Well, it's true. We all know they don't have internet, so I'm not prepared. I'm sorry. And <laughs> no. no 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 difficult questions today. I'll just be saying yes and no one and- Scotland is a third world country now, according to uh yeah. <laughs> no, no no no. I I love the sheep and I love the whiskey and, and the people and the fact they don't have internet. Just don't love the sheep too much. <laughs> Lehman's in the
3: highlands with a kilt like uh shepherding cows or something. <laughs>
4: I don't know they told me they had like 5 million scottish people they had 25 million uh how do you call it casks uh, of whiskey b- uh-huh. bar- barrels is it a keg or a barrel Yes. Yeah. okay
2: yeah. barrels Kasks, yeah,
4: yeah. I've, I've never known what the difference was between a you know, whatever and um i don't know how many billion sheep but i've seen most of them i guess <laughs>
3: There's a couple bad jokes in there, but I'm going to refrain from. There uh, is.
2: Like I said, don't like the sheep too much. So my shout out goes to Portugal after that one because they have amazing Internet and it just blows my fucking mind how I can pay 40 euros a month and get fiber, which is twice the speed that I get here in the U.S. for about a quarter of the price. It's fucking crazy. So big shout out to to Europe, at least Portugal. That's nice. That's nice. All right. I got a pretty
3: cryptic shout out. Imagine that for me. Uh Uh, Shout out to the Moscow Chess Federation. The robots aren't messing around, boys. Forget about flipping burgers and serving chicken wings. This time, the robots are going after our children. Last week, during the Moscow Open, which apparently is a serious chess tournament, in case you Mm -hmm. didn't know, I certainly didn't, a chess-playing robot got medieval on a seven-year-old kid. A video shared on social media shows the robot taking one of the boy's chess pieces. Then the boy makes his own move and the robot grabs his finger, breaking it. Oh! Or four adults can help and free the boy. <laughs> the kid was able to finish the final days of the tournament.
2: Holy shit!
3: In a cast, but the message is clear be afraid, be very afraid, and bow down to your robot overlords or else the kids are going to get it. Shout out to the Moscow Chess Federation.
2: Well, That's a big difference between Kasparov getting beat by Deep Blue. I mean, the the, The the, the next headline is
3: is, uh, chess playing robots invade Ukraine. That's the next headline (laughs) that I'm waiting for. That's the
2: next. Yeah, that's how they propagandize it. It's just chess (laughs) playing robots. No worries. A new tournament in Ukraine. Yeah, no worries.
3: Yeah, bullshit. And we're traveling, kind of.
4: We
2: are. We are. We're we're taking we're taking a minute. We're going to relax. We actually have HR tech before we've got uh, before. August is nothing, right? August. Yeah, August is nothing. uh, We've got an HR tech in September. We go to Unleash World, which I'm really fucking excited about in october the 12th and 13th kids if you haven't if you haven't registered for unleash world yet and you are in europe what are you waiting for what did you Go get? it. exactly man we gotta get leaving over to the
3: states we gotta get them to, to vegas for hr tech or uh yes. inspire inspire in vegas
2: we gotta oh that's a to get one. you over yeah. here leaving
4: I've never been in Vegas, actually, so it could what? be a good idea. No, what? never. Yeah.
2: Well, what about you? Know, you've never been to Nashville either. Nashville's another party city.
4: Nashville? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nashville, why not? Why mm. not? Right. So,
2: yeah. HR.com, check it out. Inspire's happening. Uh, yep. It's in Nashville. Should be awesome. I hear that there's going to be a pub crawl. I don't know, Chad oh, We're going gonna to rock Nash, Nash Vegas,
3: baby. <laughs> we're going to rock Nash Vegas. Broadway better yeah, be on so Red Alert.
2: Come over and join us. You can go to Nashville and then you can go to Vegas right after.
4: Go to have sheep?
3: They could probably arrange that in Vegas. They could probably figure <laughs> that out. Get, I don't want to know. I don't
2: want to know. You can get show. anything that you want in Vegas. That, I'm just going to leave it at that. The right casino, I I'm and more, yeah.
3: you could have a whole farm. <laughs> Much more farm okay. in your in your suite. Holy Come shit! Me. Oh my god! Stop it, <laughs> This was going off the rail fast. All right, guys. <laughs> it's tough to be young in Europe. Oh, don't really? let the cafes and the pubs fool you. A recent report by the European Commission said young people were among the most negatively affected by job losses during the economic crisis triggered by the pandemic. It also shows that the recovery is slower for them aside from every other age group. Possible explanations are linked to their high share of fixed-term contracts and difficulties in finding a first job after leaving school. And before you say let them join the gig economy, well... Not so fast. Popular delivery service Deliveroo, competitor to Uber Eats and others, just slashed its full-year revenue guidance as consumers trim their spending amid a worsening cost of living crisis. And don't even get me started on inflation in Europe. Levin, I suspect you may have a pretty good handle on the state of employment when it comes to European youth. Are things really as bad as the news is reporting?
4: Well, I tend to disagree with the news. I mean, I've been looking into some numbers and because I, I read the article and I was also a bit concerned. It's, it's, it's always a problem, youth unemployment, but it isn't that bad, actually. I mean, there are in the European Union, there is youth unemployment around, if I'm right, 13%, which isn't worse than it was 10 years ago. So it's a bit... Less goods than, let's say, before the COVID crisis, but it's not that bad. It's uh, almost normal. I mean, in Spain, you have an unemployment rate of 13% on average for all people. And the rest of Europe, unemployment is historically low, even youth unemployment. And true, they have some bigger problems with getting a new job because, or with uh, losing their job caused by COVID because they have... Most of the times they have temporary jobs, temporary uh, contracts, which are easily to cancel. So they are the first to lose their job, but they're also the first to to be rehired. I mean, their salaries are on average much lower than those from senior people. So they won't have that many problems. And we, if I look at the numbers from our companies, we don't have any significant changes. So I I don't see a big problem. I think it's really temporary and it's probably getting better already. Yeah. So
2: comparing, you know, Deliveroo, which I think has a failing business model, I think is is exactly what we're seeing there. We see the, the Ubers, the Uber Eats, the Deliveroo's, uh, you know, how much money have they actually been making? How long have they been in the black? I think that's the big issue when we take a look at. Deliveroo. And, and you really can't compare that to the rest of the gig economy. Uh, I mean, coding. I mean, there's just so much that's going to be happening in gig for this new generation. And I agree with leaving 100%. I mean, they are the most flexible workforce with regard to being able to jump from job to job, not to mention also from an employer standpoint, they're easy to fire because they're new, but they're also easy to bring back on because mm-hmm. they're cheap.
4: Mm-hmm. True.
2: I uh,
3: I think this is the tip of the iceberg, and you guys aren't looking under the water so much. Think the European heat waves suck? Just wait till winter comes and you get your heating bill, compliments of Vladimir Putin. Uh, what's more, <laughs> Europeans are working less and not by choice. A recent Wall Street Journal article entitled Europeans are working less and not by choice says, quote, For some Europeans, especially in the wealthier north, swapping work for leisure time is a choice. For others, notably the south, and Levin, you mentioned uh, Spain. It isn't so much a choice. People either can't find full-time jobs or have stayed with weakened companies that trimmed their hours during the pandemic to save on wages. Across Europe, more than one-third of part-time work is involuntary, according to a December report by the OECD. More than half of part-time workers in Italy, Spain, and Greece and nearly one-third in France want to work longer hours but can't. Again, that's according to data from the European Union Statistics Agency. Younger Europeans, like you said, are likely the first to get punched in the mouth, but this economy is setting its sights on everyone, and I don't see the youth bouncing back. I think we need to look at the future and sort of predict how things are going to be with the war, energy crisis, inflation, etc.,
2: yeah. Lee, even more, more on that from you. I mean, because you guys are feeling it much more than, than we are here across the pond. We are seeing inflation, but it's nothing compared to what you guys are seeing.
4: I'm not sure how big the inflation is in the US. Uh, in Belgium, it's about 9%. And I think uh, the same in the UK, uh, the surrounding countries as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought in the United States, this was a bit of a problem as well, no? Yeah. not Just not that high. I think we're around 7 Percent, okay, no.
2: round eight.
4: Yeah. Well, I don't think inflation is going to stay a big problem. Um, the national banks and the, the central banks will do their job, so it's temporary. The problem will be indeed the gas prices, the, the energy prices. Mm-hmm. Those are are a problem because it's not something you can correct. With a banking solution it's not like um we're going to augment the the number of um, interest the interest rates so this will stay a problem as long as the conflict in russia stays and it will have an impact on the families i mean uh, my electricity bill has gone from 300 euros a month to 1300 what did you which ask? is ridiculous wow yeah so I mean, we also have uh, probably left every computer on and it's not like we, but but still it's it was a problem. And then I, I uh, urgently started looking for new uh, suppliers and I found one which is better, but it's still enormously expensive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for us, it means we can't save as much as we used to, but for many people, it will mean, we can save anything at all if we can save. I mean, they they are going to have to to cut down on expenses, and this could have an impact on the total economy. Because, like uh, Joel said, the um, uh, what was it, Deliveroo, is uh, getting into trouble because people are ordering less products from deliveroo and this is normal i mean the people using deliveroo probably are young people who actually feel this much more than um, senior profiles do mm-hmm. and this could have a chain reaction it's a bit of a discon uh, disconcerting Dis- no how do you say it's? disconcerting yeah, it's
2: disconcerting. Yep. Yep.
4: yeah, yeah something yeah, like but that but is isn't isn't that
2: what isn't that what's supposed to happen when inflation goes up Less people are spending, so therefore you're looking for an, an equilibrium. Are we saying that we're not going to see an equilibrium? Not to mention, you know, Europe has much better public transportation than the U.S. does. Do you see this actually pushing people to stop driving their cars every day and actually just start using public
4: transportation? I think uh, traffic jams are a much bigger uh, push towards public transportation than the the prices for gasoline. Distances in Belgium are short. I think most people have a commute less than one hour. It's a problem maybe for some people, but the biggest problem will be electricity and gas. If it's a cold winter, you have to warm your house, you have to warm your water. This will be a problem. And if there are actually shortages, then we'll have a big problem. But Germany, who was really anxious about it, is getting more relaxed now. Their reserves are getting bigger. Um, families won't have any problems Uh, the economy will have to look sometimes for a solution but they'll find it so i think it's going to be okay and in the end i'm sure we will be quicker reshaping everything towards a more uh, sustainable way of using energy so in the end it will be better but it will take five years before everything turns out (laughs) like it was
3: yeah just five years
4: Only five years. I love that
3: Levin is shopping around his uh, energy bill. He's calling (laughs) Moscow (laughs) lighting and and power to see what kind of deals he can get. Or he's got Vladimir Putin on speed dial, one of the two. Yeah.
2: Yeah, If you're in the U.S., you probably would only have one provider, so you wouldn't have an option. We love monopolies in the U.S. And
4: Belgium is so small. We have like seven or so, seven big Mm -hmm. ones. Clearly, the key is
3: continuing to keep the borders open so Americans can keep coming to Europe that they haven't been able to in two years and spend some money. That's what Europe needs, baby. That's what Europe needs. And spending of or speaking of spending some money, let's take a quick break, pay some bills, and we'll do a little buy or sell when we come back.
2: Europe has a bunch of countries in it.
3: Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development
1: support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at fygi.nl.
3: When was the last time we played buy or sell? It's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been I'm a minute. A little, I'm a little salty. I'm a little salty. <laughs> this is going to get ugly. All right. Let's <laughs> let's let's uh, explain how this works. we got three companies, all of which have uh, raised some funds recently as a startup. And we read a summary, and everyone on the call here either buys or sells the business. Are you ready, boys? Bring it. All right. Let's talk about Screen Loop. The UK-based startup has raised a $7 million seed round, which included, indeed, co-founder and angel investor Paul Forster. The company, which helps companies source, interview, and onboard new hires, says it will use the the money to continue its expansion into the U.S. and new markets. Founded in 2021, Screenloop says it already has received feedback from over 100,000 candidates globally, and analyzed over 1 million minutes of interviews. Guys,
4: buy or sell, screen loop. I'm just in a selling mood because of the economy I'm going to sell.
2: <laughs> okay, so this feels like an interview coaching system. Am I wrong here? No. I mean, the, the real-time feedback is great, but if I'm vying for a position – And in the interview stage, am I really going to tell you that the interview sucked? (laughs) I mean, even if they say it's anonymous, candidates are not going to risk it. So when I think about candidates dropping out of the hiring process, which is their main focus here, and I understand that, I think automation to to ensure that candidates aren't falling into the black hole. Now, when I think interviewing platforms, I think automation to ensure quick responses, unbiased experience, which all needs to happen through, again, automation from a scaling standpoint because humans don't scale well. So to me, this is a sell.
3: Oh, we got a sell. All right. Okay. Let's get to the good news about Screen Loop first. The all-in-one hiring platform is hot, and I think the trend is warranted. The bad news, well, there's lots of competition. As a standalone, I think this is a total sell. And if you're looking at it as an acquisition target, then maybe it's a buy. However, money isn't free anymore. Valuations are getting cut in half in the public markets. And layoffs litter the headlines, which tells me timing really kind of sucks for Screen Loop. which means, yeah, it's a sell for me. I do, however, think it's a better bet from Paul Forster than his previous investment in Auda, which I think is a total dog. But that's aside from the <laughs> point of Screen Loop. Paul, uh, get better at this investment thing. Leave in your
4: thoughts. I'm going to hold them just for a few weeks. I'm not going to sell immediately because we are testing a company like Screen Loop right now. And I'm mm-hmm. going to check out how it works out and uh, how easy they are to copy. And I'll let you know next episode.
3: Oh, we don't. We don't have a hold soundbite. Let's what did you say? let's just go with that. All right, let's get <laughs> we to. We don't uh, have a
4: hold. I mean, you you can buy, you can sell, you can hold. No,
3: that's not okay. the game, Levin. I, it's called buy or buy sell. Or
4: sell. <laughs> yeah. It's not buy or uh, sell or hold.
3: Levin always retains the right to hold a company.
4: <laughs> that's of course we already have them, and I don't want to sell them business yet. Business
3: has in, potential interests in all of these companies and uh, what they do. All right, let's okay. let's get to company number two. Distributed. The startup has raised 8 million pounds in a Series B, bringing its total to around 13 million pounds. The platform matches software developers who want the flexibility of working freelance with larger enterprises seeking teams of engineers to work on specific projects. Founded in 2017, the company says new funding will help the internationalizing. Yes, that's a word from their press release and developing new products and communities. The war for tech talent is real But is
2: distributed a buy or sell? All right. Okay. So, right out of the gate, distributed CEO Callum Adamson, uh, he doesn't have any background in the talent industry. Uh, Although his Simpsons profile pick on LinkedIn did score him some points in my book. The. The biggest problem I'm seeing here is the word international. What does that even mean? Because if it means coming to the U.S., it's a very bad move, and here's why. The distributed concept works nicely in Europe because of universal health care. We've mentioned several times throughout the last few years that Europe is catching up and will pass the U.S. in work tech because... They have a system that allows entrepreneurs to start up while not worrying about healthcare for themselves or their families. From a marketing and messaging standpoint, I need to understand exactly what international means. And in Callum's brain, you know, the CEO driving the company, they need to be able to be less than nebulous about mm-hmm. this, which is somewhat surprising knowing that Adam Moorhead is in charge of their messaging. Guy has a good background in messaging branding and community so i would say that distributed and callum should also be looking for industry experts to join their ranks and until all of those pieces of the puzzles are put together this has got to be a sell i like it a lot the problem is there are some gaps oh
3: we'll see my previous comments on screen loop i mean how many of these services do we need touring andela hackerang top tall etc it all feels like swapping spit for tech talent at this point I like the domain distributedcom love it yeah. but think this party is at capacity distributed for me is a big sell
4: I yeah I was going to say I totally agree with chat on this does it an intelligent remark <laughs> <laughs>
3: We'll go with it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Verimark, the London-based company, has raised 7.1 million pounds in a Series A. This brings total funding to 9.2 million pounds, or if you're in the U.S., 12.3 million USD. Founded in 2018, the company provides pre-employment screening services. Verimark says they will use the funds to further expand their company and vision, Its clients include the HR teams at UK Fintech's Wise and Company Comply Advantage, as well as global corporates PepsiCo and BCG. Okay, guys, buy or sell
4: Verimark. In my case, sell. Just from a moral point of view, I've got a problem with these kind of companies. I mean, it's like hiring a private investigation company to check out your future employees. We don't do it. I mean, in, I've been in this business for 20 years. I've been in several companies. I've never known one of my HR colleagues hiring a company to check out people they might want to hire. This could be important if you work for, uh, let's say, the some kind of a very secret service for the government, but mm-hmm. not for normal companies. I mean, my colleagues, they take the phone and they call the candidates. Do you mind if we will uh, check your, your story with your former uh, employer? And if they say no, then they give the former employer a call and they say, how did you experience that guy? And that's it. And I mean, we, we might do a reference check and we check the CV and if everything is okay, that's okay. But I think it's the job our, our recruiters do. I don't see why we would hire an external company to go to all those details. Is it something in the United States which is common?
2: No, oh, well, this is something that's been around forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Talk and, about, and external yeah. external
4: companies doing background checks.
2: Oh yeah, yes. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's I, a huge, huge business, multi billion mm-hmm. dollar business. Yeah. It's
4: weird. I, I might be wrong, but I've and people, please uh, let me know if I'm wrong. But in uh, Europe, in the countries we we're active in, I've never ever encountered a company doing this for the companies I work with.
2: Weird. Well, that's a sell. <laughs>
4: that's a sell,
2: Chad. What say you? Well, I got to say CEO Daniel Callahan, he's a founder of Talmex where he's been, you know, there for 13 the plus aspects. years and he's also the full-time CEO of Verimark. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's this duality thing. Wh- wh- which one are you going to pick? Which one are you going to spend your time with? Uh, Daniel has deep and amazing experience in this space, but the total addressable market, basically background checks over the entire world is way too big for a, s- a small startup with less than $10 million in funding. Background checks are getting easier, but as Cheeseman will tell you, it's still a pain in the ass just as it is here in the U.S. alone. So, Daniel, my friend, pick a company to focus on and then pick a region of the world to focus on. And until you gain that necessary focus and discipline, my friend, sorry, buddy, got to be a sell for me. Oh, boy.
3: <laughs> Rumor has it he has a, a poster of Jack Dorsey in his office. Just uh, <laughs> just, just yes. all yeah. out there. All right. Veramark, stop me if you've heard this one before, Chad. Too much competition. <laughs> Does the world really need another background check company? Yeah, like it needs another ATS or another, or another <laughs> LinkedIn killer, right? Vermark <laughs> gives me a hat trick this week. Three cells. Mm. Buyer cell is now over. Let's get to some Bullhorn news, shall we? Boston-based Bullhorn has acquired London-based Sourcebreaker. In terms of the deal, are not disclosed. Breaker. Sourcebreaker provides an AI driven search and match platform. The acquisition will expand Bullhorn's portfolio of solutions for talent engagement across the entire candidate lifecycle, from sourcing to engagement, onboarding, and redeployment. Found in 2014, Sourcebreaker employs <laughs> 82 people and was already a partner in the Bullhorn marketplace, which serves hundreds of Bullhorn customers. Bullhorns buy, Big deal, no deal,
2: or little deal. So a marketplace partner. You saw that, huh? That's pretty awesome. Uh, Apparently the 5K to join wasn't too much of an obstacle for these guys. So two questions. Number one. Why did this take so long? I mean, this type of tech should be all over staffing and RPO companies and it should be their first priority. Hmm. They've spent billions of dollars in attracting candidates into a database that is just withering and dying day by day. So tech like this could save staffing companies, RPO, millions of dollars in recruitment advertising yearly. So number two. Why didn't they buy more of a mature platform? So Sourcebreaker has been around since 2014 and they haven't received any funding. And why haven't we heard of them? Sounds like an acqui-hire to me. It just doesn't seem like an all-in kind of move from Bullhorn. So this should be the highest priority for a company like Bullhorn because, once again, they want to make their staffing companies Clients incredibly happy. Nonetheless, I see this move for Source Breaker, much like candidate IDs move to ISOMS. Mm. If you want to achieve next level penetration in the market, you must tightly partner or get acquired by a much bigger ecosystem partner. So it's great for, for source coder. Just not sure what this really does for Bullhorn. I guess we'll see. Chad just said next level penetration,
3: everybody. <laughs> just thought i <I'd- laughs> I, I heard I it too that
2: it's, that's my that's my uh that's my tag leaving mm. you got
3: a hot take on the bullhorn buy of source breaker
4: not really i don't know source and as chad said it's there are so many companies doing something similar and i'm sure if you pick the right one you're doing great uh, they claim to have an their clients have an uh, over 100% increase in relevant candidates. A one to two hour safe per recruiter per day. If that's true, that's amazing. I mean, then we can go to the three day work week and skip the four day. But um, <laughs> it's, it's just, I, I just don't believe it. I'm sorry. So marketplaces
3: continue to be really nice incubators for a company's acquisition targets. Uh, like Amazon gets an unfair advantage knowing what sells and what doesn't sell on its platform which it can then create competing services. So it is with the recruitment platform. And Bullhorn seems to get it. Yes, Chad, in spite of that $5,000 entry fee. Uh, Remember back in January, Bullhorn acquired Able, the Cleveland-based provider of onboarding automation software for staffing firms. I still think Bullhorn's marketplace should be more welcoming. Sorry, from an entry fee perspective. But things seem to be working out pretty well for them. I agree with Chad that they are dabbling in the aqua hire sort of cool little feature uh, services that are in their marketplace. I'd like to see them take bigger swings, but for the most part, I think this is probably a good buy based on the marketplace data that they have. And we've seen this over and over. If you have a marketplace, you can make some pretty good buying decisions of what companies work and don't work because they already work in your marketplace.
2: Well, it's interesting too that, I mean, we've seen uh, iSims acquire opening.io. We saw, we've seen Jobvite acquire, uh, it was more of an aqua hire, but the the same kind of matching type of company. Uh, But we haven't heard Of any of those platforms, those products in a big way, because this should be a very large lift for any organization and being able to provide more value to all of their clients. We're talking about JobVite and Isom, some pretty big platforms, but we haven't heard any of these specific kind of like updates on what they're doing with this tech. That to me would be incredibly interesting, but we, but those are two big names we haven't heard anything from. Yeah.
3: And the good news Chad, is the clearance rack is filling up because as we hear about uh, public companies like Pinterest and Snapchat and Roku and blah, blah, blah. These companies are on sale on a public level. Imagine what they're doing on the private level. I think all these unicorns that we're talking about getting tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, are going to be on sale over the next 12 to 18 months. So, you know, you may start seeing a lot more of these platforms buying up these companies because the money is funny and the credit doesn't <laughs> get it anymore. Yeah. Uh,
2: leaving. are you guys are you guys on on the watch, I would assume at this point? Because this is perfect for a house of HR to go go on a buying spree. Yeah. Dry powder. Yes. <laughs>
4: go on more on this to come No, no it's of course it's a perfect opportunity right now because um, people who are anxious to sell are probably willing to sell for less yeah and there's so many still so much money in the market but uh we will never rush and buy something we don't actually believe in but it's true the moment is perfect
3: and the moment to end this podcast is perfect boys we are out.
1: so weird we out how much do you understand the future of finance i'm jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast banking transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology join me as i interview industry experts